Hey, everybody, when you hear that music, you know it's time for another exciting episode of On the Lighter Side of Baseball. We did a quick episode yesterday, and we're in the process of editing it because one of our lead-in new features didn't exactly work out too well. So it was like open a pack of baseball cards and wait for the value to come up. We got a Cal Ripken card, and that was pretty good. Anyway, we are waiting for Craig Kishan. Craig's going to join us. As you know, Craig has been on the podcast over the last four years, now starting our fifth year. He was on in January. We took a break. Craig had basketball. I had nothing to say. And uh, believe me, that is quite weird. But uh, we are back. As I indicated yesterday, went out to spring training, saw the Cubs play, saw the new pitch clock, came back with more questions and answers on the pitch clock. I've been studying up on it, and I think I've got a pretty good handle on the pitch clock. We may have to do a whole exciting podcast on the pitch clock, but um, the one thing it's going to do is speed up the game dramatically, and I think that's good. I mean, we're going to go between 2.15 and 3 o'clock, three-hour games, so that is good. I mean, I think they're going to be more like two-and-a-half-hour games than three-hour games, Yeah, the pitchers and batters are going to figure out how to manipulate the system a little bit, but not a lot. I think the uh, overall fan uh, enjoyment is going to go up. It's going to be interesting. At some point, I may try this just for whatever reason, I guess, boredom. It might be interesting to uh, clock the time of the game versus the time of the commercial breaks. And if you have two minutes and 15 seconds between 18 half innings and 10 pitching changes, you do the math because I can't, but I could get out my calculator. But we are talking about 45 minutes to an hour of commercials and uh, 45 minutes to an hour of baseball and then throw in a little bit towards the baseball side of things. And you've got about a 50-50 deal. Now, if you're at the ballpark, and especially at Wrigley Field, and you leave your seat to go to the bathroom and get a hot dog and a beer, uh, you're going to miss an inning at least, and probably two. But that's okay. Not everybody wants to see nine innings. Uh, I do. I'm actually excited about this. Uh, the, The rule changes that we talked about and will continue to talk about not only include the pitch clock, the throws to first base, more box called if the pitchers don't come to a set in their uh, stretch, the runner on base. The bases are bigger by a square of three inches. So between first and home and home and third, there's a two inch uh, advantage. And between first to third, it's a little bit more. I don't know why. Go figure. In addition, The players all must be, according to the rules, two players on the left side of second base, two players on the right side of second base. And that doesn't mean stand right behind second base. It means draw two lines, one on each side of second base, and there have to be two infielders in the dirt at the same when the pitch is delivered. They can't be running out to the outfield right before the pitch. They can't be running over to the other side of the infield They can't switch. You can't move over Nolan Arenado for a left-handed batter because he's a better glove than whoever's playing second base for the Cardinals. They go to the middle of the pitcher's rubber and draw a 95-foot 
take a compass and uh, a big compass. <laughs> you need a big compass. You take a compass, a big compass, and it's a ninety-five foot. Um, you know, it's not a it's not a diameter. What would that be called? A, um, a span or whatever the term is. I should know that from my great days in ge geometry. But at any rate, uh, some fields had to be changed and modified to comply with this new 95 foot ruling from the center of the pitcher's mound, okay? So that's how you have the field a little bit shorter at third and then it widens out behind second base and then comes back into first. Little nuance that nobody really gave a hoot about, but there you go. And for example, if the um, play results in a cheat by the or a violation by the uh, defending team uh let's say that uh javi baez right uh two seconds before the pitcher throws the ball he sprints into center field to add a fourth up can't do it now if the pitch is thrown and the guy hits home run it's like in football you can accept the penalty or you can decline the penalty so if you have a cheater violation in the infield, uh, that still gives discretion to the manager of the offensive team. So the Cubs are playing the Tigers. Javi Baez runs from short over to second. So they have three infielders on the right side immediately before the delivery. And uh, uh, Cody Bellinger hits a double in the gap. David Ross can decide to take the double in the gap as opposed to a ball, okay? Not so true with the pitch timer. If there's a violation of the pitch clock and the guy hits home run, it doesn't count. You can argue, you can delay the game, you can go out and throw dirt on the umpire, you can do whatever you want, throw the bases around like Lou Pinnell and Billy Martin. Doesn't matter. It is non-discretionary. And as the... Time goes by before the season. We'll get into some of the nuances, but there is now a field timer coordinator, FTC, uh, a fifth umpire, if you will, and he's not really an umpire, but he has a significant role in making sure that he doesn't go to sleep between pitches. I mean, there's probably uh, a minimum of 300 pitches he has to stay on his toes for, maybe more, and he is equipped with a nice little box by Dactronics, I believe. <clears throat> and then, in addition to that, he has a, a mini remote with four buttons on it. And those four buttons are start his little timer deal. And then the three other buttons are 15 seconds, 20 seconds, 30 seconds. And those are the only times that matter. 15 seconds to pitch with nobody on base. 30 seconds to pitch with, uh, uh, or 20 seconds to pitch with the uh, runner on base. And then 30 seconds after uh, one batter makes an out and the next batter is supposed to be ready to play. Okay. So that's it. And uh, it's going to keep the game moving quickly. And uh, I think we're going to like it. And, uh, <coughs> excuse me. If I knew how to erase, I would have just erased that, but I apologize. Anyway. We're going to uh, put the uh, conversation on hold until Craig joins us. We're going to um, do a little pause a 
And when we come back on Spotify, iTunes, and Apple, and we appreciate everybody listening. I mean, people have been asking, what's wrong? Did you did you lose your voice? Did you lose your interest? Did you lose your buddy? Is nobody going to help you on these podcasts? And I say, you know, January and February was for the Super Bowl. Jeez. Super Bowl victory by the Chiefs over the Eagles. And then Travis Kelsey just knocked it out of the park on Saturday Night Live. If you guys don't listen to Saturday Night Live because of your political views or because you're not interested or because you can't stay up that late, get on your uh, iPhone and, and uh, go back and watch the uh, uh, Travis Kelsey show on Saturday Night Live. The dude is going to, you know, Tony Gonzalez has a post-football career and taking photographs of what some people believe to be, uh, you know, a model-like guy. Kelsey's like, he's he's got a career in acting or a comedian or whatever. He's good. Good timing. Good guy. And uh, certainly a good friend of Patrick Mahomes. So anyway, that's why we, and you know, we've been just kind of recuperating and waiting for baseball to get going. And the World Baseball Classic starts Wednesday. Today's Monday. And uh, we'll, we'll have a podcast on the World Baseball Classic because that is going to be 10 days worth of fun and something more interesting than spring training. Although spring training is just a great time. I'd like to get back there. Saw the Cubs play the Guardians, and uh, that was cool. So, again, I'm going to put you on hold, and when we come back, we'll have uh, Craig Kishan. Thanks for listening. Be back. Hey, everybody, we're back on the lighter side of baseball. And as promised, unbelievably, because at some point, Craig Kishan's going to promise to show up. And then he got called out because he had to go, you know, get milk at the grocery store, looking for any excuse to stay off of. Nah, he loves it. We love him. How are you doing, buddy? I'm good. And uh, the milk I was looking for, by the way, was lactate free. So it, it it took me a while to find a store. Well, <laughs> tell you the the regular milk in a grocery store now is in a very small minuscule part of the store and all this other stuff almond milk no lactate milk yeah it's like takes up four times the uh, space of you know poor regular milk's getting a bad i don't get it getting a bad rap man well i'm not going to become a dairy farmer anytime soon that's for sure and i i feel for our friends in the rural areas of the dairy land of Wisconsin, man. But sometimes you can participate and sometimes you can't. <laughs> well, and as you say that, I got to believe I'm hearing Bob Euchre give a plug for the Dairy Farmers of America, and especially all those guys in Wisconsin that keep grinding out that good cheese to put on his, I always say this wrong, oozing or sausage. Usinger, you got it. Usinger. That's close. That's close, man. I can't wait. Uh I can't wait for baseball. It's been two months since I've talked to you on the podcast, and I'm excited to have you back. This is great, man. I, it's going to be a good year. we got the World Baseball Classic starting in two days, which I'm kind of pumped about. Now, I know, folks, just so you all remember, Craig's got a little other side job with the Milwaukee Bucks. Have they lost yet this year? They finally lost a game on uh, Saturday night after 16 straight wins, and uh Got right back on the horse Sunday night and won right away. So they're 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 good. They're fun to cover, and um, 
You know, I, I honestly, I, I was on a, a roundtable show uh, for Spectrum last week, and I, I just flat out said I would be very surprised if they don't win the championship this year. I really would. Well, the only caveat is they lost two games to the Chicago Bulls. I mean, that's got to give you a little room for worry. Now, well, yeah, but we got Goran Dragic now, so you know we we may have taken your best player. I'm not even sure what. <laughs> well, to show you what a great Bulls fan is, I've never ever heard of that guy. Well, <laughs> and I, I, the only guy in the Bucks I could name was his nickname, the Greek Freak, or whatever the guy's called. Just call him Giannis. Giannis. That shows you my level of interest in the National Basketball Association. But, um, you know, it sort of breaks my heart that you split duties because I've still got, you know, my image every day when I'm in Wisconsin of you and Vinny. Are you going to have Vinny alone or are you going to have Tim and Vinny or can you expand on the Brewers lineup? Yeah. No, we're going to we're going to do our regular mix. Rock is actually uh, going to do mostly uh, just home games this year and um, our analyst. And then um, Tim and Vinny are going to split up the uh, the road duties, you know, being wow. the analyst on, on the uh, in the booth. So who's ever not doing that will be doing the pre and post game show. So they're going to be they're going to be busy and um, we're looking forward to it. Well, so. Rock will be able to ride to work with Euchre because that's the games that he does. And then look at how well you've trained these guys. I don't know if that's good or bad, but they're both different um, as a fan watching your show and uh, as a as a groupie who sat in on your set before to watch both Tim and Vinny. Uh, I got to get Vinny on the show. Don't you think he'd do a podcast? Oh, he, we, they both would. I, I would, I would imagine. Yeah, for sure. Right. I think, um, trying to think if Tim or Vinny know Davey any better than one another, but they, they certainly know him. That's for sure. Because they were, they were both on the Brewers. Um, even if it was for a cup of coffee, I think while Davey was still even coaching. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, now they, yeah, that'd they be would do That'd be great. We, we could have uh, we could have like we could rotate Vinny in the in the three of us, and then rotate Tim in with the three of us. Yeah, I'd like to you know figure out how to do a a, a video because um, Tim's a hoot to watch. <laughs> I mean, yeah. And when you grabbed, I still remember when you grabbed his little script in one of the shows. That was legendary. You probably don't even remember that. No. How many shows do you do a year? Like 300, not counting this. <clears throat> well, yours puts me over the top, no matter what the count is, Jamie. So, I mean, that's all anybody needs to know, man. Well, and you mentioned Davey. Is that, are you talking about Dave Nelson? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I got a, a link from, and you got it too, from uh, Bob Solis that the uh, uh, Brewers are going to have uh, the Davey Nelson world traveler award or whatever i'm nominating myself and telling him i live full-time in land of lakes and you know if 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 we know the person picking that then i think i have a pretty good chance to not get it <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you, you may be on the uh if you if you did a pros and cons list you might be on the con side yeah i can't think of anything that i would contribute to <laughs> other than uh, i do by concessions um 
So are you ready for baseball? Are you focused on baseball or are you still distracted except for studying up on our production meetings for on the lighter side of baseball? Well, the production meetings are getting a little uh, heftier in time. And um, so it's, uh, you know, it's it's kind of a, a cramping my style a little bit, but I've, you know, I'm going with the flow because I'm very grateful that I have job opportunities and and the ability to invoice certain individuals. So that I do like. Um, I'll tell you what, this is going to provide you with unlimited resources at some point in your life. I mean, I just feel it. I feel like the audience. I feel like, like Medicare. <laughs> no, we're not going that far. We're not making any commitments on the air, but uh, yeah, I think we. No, can. I, I'm all set for. I mean, I feel like I'm all set for baseball, even though I'm not. I'm I'm making progress toward that. And uh, what are we at? March six uh, today. Yeah, we do. Uh, we're doing our preview show next week we'll record that and that'll run for probably 10 days up until opening day all right um like who's in that well it's just me and Vinny in the studio and and we'll host it and then everybody will participate sophia will be on uh rock and jeff will be on tim will be on you know for quick hits and stuff like that but it's you know the general you know, uh, getting getting ready for the season. This is your team. This is what to expect. Here are the new rules. Um, you know that type of thing. Uh, highlight a couple of guys. You can't you can't do everybody in a half hour, but um, you know you hit your stars, and so that's what we we do that next week already. So yeah. this week I'll dial in more for that. Let me um, number one. We we give you here on the lighter side of baseball. A lot more than a half an hour. I mean, and so there's one plus over whatever Brewers production stuff we have to mess around with. Number well, two, well, depending upon who you're talking to. <laughs> number two, well, right now it's you and me and our eight listeners. But number two, I just want to remind you that we have an exclusive over your ability to give preseason predictions. It's got to be right here. So I'm assuming on your 30 minute show while you try to highlight all the great deals the Brewers made this year, you won't be coming up with any predictions. No, actually, uh, you you hit the nail on the head. We don't do predictions on the season preview show, actually. We don't. I'll tell you what, I haven't hit much, but hitting the nail on the head is good. That's right. That's right. That's right really now, good. about all I can see on the video of you too, is the top of your head. <laughs> Here's a funny thing to talk about before we get into the great some of the great deals that you want to emphasize that the Brewers made in the offseason. Um, and they have a new general manager president, right? The the old guy is now an advisor while they pay him what they owe him. And a, a young lady's moved into that role. Am I right? No, no. Uh, I'm wrong. How could that be, folks? The Marty uh, Ronsky's uh, a COO, uh, so oh. she she's on the business side, and okay. um, and Matt Arnold is is the uh, is the elevated GM. So uh, and David Cerns is the advisor uh, right now. So it, it's just like it's just like um, <clears throat> you know the Cubs over the last how many years? You know you get you get key guys in. And then you get they get promotions and titles and more authority, and then things change. And then the next guy rolls up, and he doesn't have that same title as the previous person and whatnot. So 
but yeah. yeah. Don't get me into Jed Hoyer. I, I'll save that for another show, but yeah, I do like, yeah, I kind of like the Cubs this year, but so yesterday I was just, you know, it'd been two months since I had gotten back on the air and people were clamoring. My phone wouldn't stop ringing. My emails were, uh, you know, I just stopped looking at them because people wanted to know, you know, are you dead? Are you alive? What's the deal? So in respect to those people, I did a little preview and most of it was telling everybody you'd be on today. But I, I wanted to throw out a new feature. I got this cool app. I guess it's a, called an application on your phone, but people refer to it as an app. I'll refer to it as an app on value of baseball cards. So I thought it would be not, oh. not, I, not unique, but uh, because there are shows where these guys will take a, a 1955 pack of cards that's probably worth $1,000 in and of itself and open it. Or auction off. You get the first card, you get the third card, you get the fifth card. What do you want to pay for that? And they, on the hope that they get Mickey Mantle, uh, I'm not sure even Mantle because of his contract with Bowman was in. That's just an arbitrary thing. I kind of got off the subject. So I, I take time and open up a 1988 pack of Dunruss and I, I get the first card. It's Eric Davis. And I talk a little bit about Eric Davis. And then there's a Scott Fletcher card. I talk about Scotty Fletcher because I, tried to get him away from his agent with Nelly and that didn't work. So I start out and, and uh, the app doesn't work. So I'm on, I'm on the podcast. I don't know how to stop it or edit it. And like, it's laying the biggest egg in the history of eggs, man. It was like, it never worked. And so there'd be 30 seconds, which probably is appreciated by most of the people where I didn't talk. I'm just trying to get the, didn't work. <laughs> so <clears throat> that features off. So the I think the problem with apps is there are there are too many. And then like when you get an idea in your head that this one's a good one, it's never a good one because the app doesn't work. Yeah. In I this square. It was foolproof. I did it. I did it for the last couple of weeks trying to figure out what the heck my cards were, sort of, how to value some of these cards. And I mean, it was it was pretty, it would look pretty accurate. I mean. I just added this red Shane Dean's card, you know, and they said red's worth $10.42. Cool. So I was going to build the drama and do that. I got a Cal, there's a Cal Ripken 1988 card in there that I thought would be worth a million dollars and not worth much more than 20. It was a terrible feature. So anyway. Wow. I'm, I'm done innovating. I'm just going with what worked. So what now for, for these baseball cards, you try to figure out the value how hard is it to find a buyer? Uh, <clears throat> you know, that's a great question. It's very hard to find a buyer unless you <clears throat> get your card graded. And there's, <clears throat> excuse me, there's several grading companies. Uh, PSA is the big one. <clears throat> so you pay $500 to get a card graded. It comes back crummy and it's only worth 50 bucks. You've kind of shot yourself in the foot. So I'm going to let my kids hassle with it. Yeah, that's a smart move right there. So if I had a cough button right now, you know, like you guys have in the, in the press box, <clears throat> there, I would have hit it. All you got to do is is hit your mute button. Well, that's a whole nother story, dude. If I hit, if I hit the mute button, I wouldn't be able to get it unmuted. You see? Forget it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I just hit the mute button and blew my nose so it wouldn't even go on the air. That's cool. But see, you're I know a, it. 
you're a you're an experienced. I'm in. I should go in the IT business just in case something happens to my business. Fifty years in the business behind a microphone, and here you are, and you're only forty five years old. I mean, it's I'm not forty five. I'm much much older than that. You're... But this is also my thirty fifth. I'm going in. This little stretch of time in early March is my 35th anniversary year uh, in television. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. Seriously, that's, you know, it's a business where you get hired to get fired almost as much as in managing a baseball team. So, yeah. That, and, you know, you've been in the same market, right? I mean, basically. Yeah, I've been in the, I've been in Wisconsin my whole life. I've been in uh, Eau Claire was my first job at the NBC. Madison NBC was my second job, and then my third job is the one I'm on right now. Boy, that's great. Yeah, that's really that's yeah. something you uh, you know. I wish you did play by play, but I'm sure that uh, that's a you and Plezak were great together. I thought I thought you did a nice job, and I don't say that about everybody, even if you were you know. If you, you know, I didn't think Nelly was that good at his um, color analyst in in a lot of games. He was he was great, but uh, boy, he'd really be in trouble with the pitch clock. You know that would. <laughs> yeah, he'd be he he he's a thinker. You can't yeah. think with the clock on. So on the post game show, pre game show, sit down and talk. There's there's nobody better than Nelly was. Yeah. Um, the pitch clock is going to um, be interesting. What what are your overall views as a fan, but more as a broadcaster and a student of the game? What do you think? Well, I think, you know, you know, Jamie, you, you agree with me on this. And I think, you know, 98% of the people do that, that, you know, the game was getting a little bit stale. And if, if, if that's recognized at the highest level of baseball, um, and they're willing to do something about it. Um, and they've implemented, you know, the pitch clocks in the, in the minor leagues the last couple of years or whatever it's been to get, you know, to get things rolling and to see if it'll really work. And it did. Their ultimate goal is if things are stale, how do you freshen it up? First thing you do is, is recognize the biggest problem is we're playing four-hour games routinely every night. Um, and, and it shouldn't have to be that way. Um, they needed, they needed action. Um, people want to go and, and watch some things happen, um, at a relatively good pace and, and they were, they were just out of pace. So the pitch clock is, is definitely in just two weeks of spring training has, uh, has, you know, added some serious pace. I mean, I, I would guess the average spring training game right now is two and a half hours, where the, yeah. the average Major League Baseball game was close to 310, 315 on average, which would mean at least half of those games would be closer to four hours. So the spring, um, the spring training was worse. I mean, you'd have four yes, five yeah. hour games routinely because they put in, you know, 50 players in a game, they right. score 40 runs. Yeah. And now, you're right. I haven't seen. I think I've looked at the box scores, not religiously, but but kind of occasionally. And I've only seen one game go three hours and nine minutes. That's the longest game I've seen in the box score, which is pretty, pretty cool. The Cubs, I think they're no hitter. Their combined first ever for the franchise spring training no hitter was 
two hours and six minutes. Yeah. And not so much that, but the fact that you don't have to wait very long. It's predictable on when you're going to see something happen. It's as opposed to watching you Darvish throw one pitch a minute. And then of those pitches, one out of eight got put into play. Um, now I went, we went down to Mesa and saw uh, the Cubs play the guardians and man, oh man, I'm telling you what the, for the first inning or two. And the, of course the pitchers are, it's a little bit different um, motivation in spring training. These, the starters are only throwing an inning or two. And so they're going to do things that maybe they don't do in the regular season, but the game I saw the starters never got off of the mound. They didn't go to the rosin bag. They got the ball. They um, took a step back, got the side, got the, buzz for what they were going to throw used to be a sign i guess and then it and and it just was boom 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 i mean like you'd go get a beer and you missed a half an inning or an inning even without yeah. a line so it's gonna from my standpoint i'd like to get to wrigley field for a seven o'clock night game and leave before 10 o'clock and i'm happy yeah <clears throat> and i i think too you know just to extend your point about it's still early in spring training for starting pitching. I mean, they are, they're going basically two innings. Um, to me, it's going to be interesting to see two things. The further they go when they ramp it up to five or six innings. Um, and then, and then what you do in, in situations where it's hot and humid and, you know, our, our, our pitchers who aren't used to the pitch clock, the veteran guys, are they are they going to be able to have the stamina to be effective um, at, a, at a quicker pace maybe than they're used to? Um, I, I think that's going to be something to watch, and you're not going to see it as much right now. Um, but but as we you know as we push forward, because I think from what I can see, the pitchers for the most part really like this because they don't want to wait around for the batter if they're. If they're a pitcher that's always pitched with decent pace at the very least, they don't want to wait for the batter anymore. Now they force the batter to get in there and let's go. Um, but there's still going to be some adjustments, I think, along the way for for a lot of these guys. And and when hitters are in situations, I mean, let's face it, uh, your starting lineup right now, they're only getting probably two at-bats each, and then they leave in the fifth inning. As the games become meaningful and you're in the eighth and ninth inning, some of these guys that like to see a pitch, get out of the batter's box, think about a situation, think about a scouting report on a on a relief pitcher, they don't have time really to do that. They got to jump back in within eight seconds and address the pitcher. So this is not like foolproof yet. You know what I mean? It, it's still, to me, in my opinion, um, it's going to be a process and a lot of things are going to be unpacked out of that bag yet. Yeah, I mean, you raise a good point. If that, if and this wasn't your point, but I take it from your what you just said that if this limits analytics or gets rid of all this analytical crap, great. You know, it's like Willie May said: you pitch the ball, I hit the ball; you hit the ball, I catch the ball. And I know that analytics comes into it, but you can throw that crap out on the shift because you can't do it anymore. So you can't go play a roving infielder. You can't do any of that. The other thing, I think Major League Baseball is going to take the opinion. We don't really care what the players say, you know, if they like it or don't like it. 
what we want to do is speed up the game and have some action, some more stolen bases, some hit and runs, <clears throat> hopefully more scoring. And um, I was reading, I think it was from your old pitcher, Suter, was saying his workout routine has now changed. He'll do, if he's in a weight room, he'll go hard for 30 seconds and then take a 20-second break and then go hard again. And running the same way, they're trying to figure out the stamina issue that you raise because it is, it's going to be different for these guys that aren't in shape. Yeah. You throw yeah. the humidity, like you say, and uh, you hear that warning thing. It's not somebody saying the show's got down. That's our garbage truck. But anyway, um, it's going to be cool. I think the, um, the pitch clock is going to be the biggest one. The shift is going to be the shift, uh, the anti-shift, the, um, Bases being bigger, I don't know. I mean, I think it's going to be hard for guys to – good base runners are going to have the advantage over good catchers. That's my my read so far. Yeah, I think I think the uh, the base running is – I've seen a, a few stolen bases so far. I haven't seen anybody get caught stealing yet. Um, and, I, and I think this time of year, I, I would guess that teams are running more even two weeks into spring training than they they have before because they gotta they gotta figure figure yeah. it out right? Um, right and and it's good for the catchers too because are they really gonna be able to throw out guys or not I mean four and a half inches closer between first and second and second and thirds I think it's a big deal yeah um there's just too many plus you've got uh, I was watching a game yesterday and somebody stole a base and they brought up a good point. The fact that the bases are bigger and four and a half inches is now narrowed the gap between your infield bases. The guys who are stealing bases are wearing those sliding mitts. Now, how big are those mitts? Yeah. You know, are you wearing an oversized mitt that, you know, is two inches past your, your fingertips and now are you gaining even more knowing i mean what if you're gaining six more inches of your advantage trying to steal a base that's an unbelievable difference i mean they have just throwing that out there the, the, the mid is funny i mean it's a funny point but it's a true point you okay so now you've taken 90 feet between bases and now it's down to 84 feet if you're wearing a bigger glove and then you take the fact that guys are going to get big leadoffs for two reasons. One, it'll help them steal. And two, if they can, if they can exhaust the pitchers two steps, two times off the rubber or two throws to first, then they can take an even bigger leadoff. And if he doesn't pick them off, it's a it's a balk. All right. He gets second base. So <clears throat> advantage. But I think that's a I think it's great, man. I mean. Even the go-go White Sox back in 59, you probably remember this, in 1959, they would, whenever Aparicio got on base, he'd steal, but they still couldn't score a run. I mean, you can't steal home that often, but I think you can, I think third's going to be another interesting base for stealing. Um, again, because you can take a little bigger lead now, and um, I don't know if the inside move is now outlawed. I, there, There's a lot of goofy things. I, I didn't realize that you know you have five you have five visits to the mound in the ninth inning. If you've used them up, you get an extra one. I didn't didn't know didn't that. Didn't know that. 
I just learned that today, so don't feel bad. Um, and I basically try before these podcasts, I like to one-up Craig just a little bit because he's got the advantage. He's in the business. He's the guy. Anyway, <laughs> let's talk about the crew. Um, interesting, and this is just a fan, and, and it's not a political commentary on on the ownership of the brewers or the management of the brewers, but the gap in Corbin Burns, what he wanted and what the brewers were willing to offer was like 99% of the time, that would have been, we'll split the difference on a half a million bucks, which nowadays is nothing. And then they apparently decided to, uh, to go to arbitration, which never happens anymore. And then they decided to, to badmouth the Cy Young winner. I mean, go, I, I don't get it, but I wasn't there. It's all hearsay. Um, you know, I think you still have the best pitching staff in uh, the, certainly in the central division. Um, I'm betting on the Cardinals to self explode. And that's why I'm going to, when we have our selection Sunday, I'm going to pick the Cubs to win the division again, which I'm pretty confident they will do. And um, I don't know. I don't, can't name one guy that the Brewers, picked up oh they got willie Contreras. yeah uh, i wish the cubs had made that deal i think swapping willie for wilson Contreras would not have been cool i don't know brothers been something and, and they wind up in the same division you know anyway uh but um brothers, yeah it's going to be it's going to be interesting to uh you know i i think the whole thing you know with um you know with corbin burns is it it's still no matter what happens in arbitration cases, it still comes down to the player getting over it. And it comes down to the player saying, it's going to be up to me to keep myself at an elite level. It's going to be up to me uh, to win games. It's going to be up to me to get the outs, all that kind of stuff. It's going to be me up to me to further my career. And so that's what he has to do now. And and I don't think anybody has any doubt he's going to do that. Um, I, I think, you know, I think there's, there's a time of, um, you know, where you reveal yourself. And I think, you know, when in, in this rare time of uh, arbitration cases and bay, I mean, we don't have that in any other sport. So it's, to me, it's archaic. I'm not sure if it's necessary um, but that's going to be up to the players and owners to figure out down the road if they if they want to keep doing this because I don't think it's necessary at all. Um, from, I don't know what you think, but from a historical perspective and as an agent, I think the the reason that salaries are where they are is more of a result from arbitration than free agency. I think that. The way they drew up and agreed on arbitration was brilliant on the player side. Um, and especially after the first year or two when the arbiters were going with the player. So it led to the players kind of, okay, I think I'm worth $6 million, but I'm going to put in $8 million because the uh, the team is going to put in a ridiculously low number. And I think I'm more likely to get my inflated number than they are to get their deflated number. And as a result you have this $6 million player now gets an $8 million contract and it just ratchets up and up and up. So I, my feeling was more so than, and I think it was a, a just, it just happened. I don't think the owners figured that that would happen. 
you know, they've, they've played with the eligibility timeline of three to six years and all this other stuff. And granted free agency now is like for the, for the primo guys. Oh man, it's better than going to Disney world, you know? Yeah. It's kind of, you know, you take a tour of where you want to go and how much you want to get, and then you play off two or three other, that's gone, uh, you know, but it, it takes owners like, like Cohen or whatever his name is with the Mets and the guy with San Diego and blah, blah. I don't know. I mean, it, it's crazy. I mean, it's talk about monopoly money. Uh, yeah, it is. And it, you know, and I, and I don't know, like, uh, you know, I, I'm not a very good businessman. Let's just put it that way. So I'm, I'm not going to be the first to tell you that I have a solution to this, but I, I, I find it interesting that, to me, and this might be wrong to say, I'm not sure, but to me, arbitration is almost preventing uh, a guy like Corbin Burns from making Max Scherzer money right now. Now, granted, Max Scherzer in his fifth year in the majors is what Corbin Burns is, isn't making what he is now, and he accomplished a lot. But I guess my point is, what's the difference? Who's a better pitcher right now, Corbin Burns or Max Scherzer? Right. Or and if they're equal, why is one making fifty million this year and the other's making ten? Yeah, you know, can't 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 that be fixed? Can't you say Corbin Burns won a Cy Young award? His, his ERA's been in the top three the last two or three years. His strike, he's led the league, and he's done everything that every other absolute elite pitcher has done. But he's making a fraction of what those guys are. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm just throwing that out there as an example. I don't know how you fix that, um, but I guess that's what baseball is in right now, and that's what they have agreed to. And, you know, having rights for five, six years over a person that you drafted or whatever whatever the case may be. So um, <clears throat> something's, something, I think something either has to go away or – you know, in this analytic IT world, you know, we don't we don't ask an arbitrator to do anything else unless it comes down to money. Yeah, and he doesn't have a choice. He either takes the player or the owner, you know, which is a yeah, really exactly unique kind of arbitration. And in the legal world, you know, you go into arbitration or mediation more than arbitration. And you say, you know, my client wants 10 million and the defendant says, well, we're only going to pay a million. And then you talk or the arbitrators get together and they figure and they come up with a compromise of X or Y. But in baseball, it's like you either do the player or the, the owner. And, you know, I think it, it must be a way to, you know, keep your payroll down at least for a while. But it also, from a fan's perspective, it seems like either, <clears throat> when they're getting ready, when they're close to being done with our, with arbitration and they're getting ready to go to free agency, you see what the Cubs do, a big market team just dumps everybody, you know, everybody. And let's start over again with cheaper guys. Um, and which is what the Cubs have done and which, you know, they haven't been very successful at the Brewers on the other have been really the PR that comes out of their front offices, we're a small market team and we just can't do what these other markets, these teams do. And if we're going to give Yelich kind of money, we need to make sure that we get Yelich, we get a return 
more than we are getting from Yelich. It's weird. I mean, and so my point to Ricketts and to Antanasio and to anybody else is, if you don't want to sign these guys, sell the team. There are plenty of Stephen Cones out there who will put a group together and buy your buy the uh, Chicago Cubs for eight million bucks if that's what you think you can get for them, and then just don't have a uh, you know a royalty or a, a punishment. Just let everybody do whatever they want, and uh, and that's the true free agency. Forget the salary cap. Forget because the the players don't want the the stars, the Scherzers don't want the salary cap. Everybody else, the eighty five percent of the rest of the guys, would have been happy with the hundred thousand, hundred million dollar payroll basement, uh, because as the owners duped Scherzer and his boys in this last negotiation, if we give the rank and file more than they think they're going to ever get they're going to vote with us and you big studs are off, you know, you're in left field. That's money's weird. I mean, it it is weird. I mean, who, I mean, look, you paid 5 million, for example. What's that? Why aren't you paid $5 million? If they have money to pay Yelich, they ought to pay you and Craig council and Bob Uecker. 5, 10, 15, 30 million. I mean, I I don't think you should be limited. No, but I mean, I, I guess the point I was going to bring up too is, is look, look what the Padres have done in the last two or three years. Right. Are they big market or small market? See, in my opinion, there's no big or small. It's your MLB market, period. Don't give me the Pittsburgh Kansas City. Hold on a second now. You just spent five minutes of my time telling everybody that's listening to this, a million plus, that there were small markets and big markets. So there are, and I know you don't like it, but there are. So my question is this, up until a year or two ago, was San Diego a big market or a small market? Based upon just the net, just coming up with what their payroll is, their their broadcast medium market size is falls into small. It's it's really no bigger than Milwaukee or Kansas City, that type of thing. Now, all of a sudden, they've got four guys that are four or five guys that are making two hundred fifty, three hundred million dollar. They spent did not. it, did I read this right? They spent a billion dollars. They have a billion dollar basically payroll going right now for yeah. what they owe guys for from Huge. here to kingdom come. Huge. Yes. That came out of absolutely nowhere. Totally. And they're, they're paying like Hosmer 20 million a year to play for the Cubs for 500,000. The Cubs pay him five. I mean, it, it's amazing that, that, that those are throwaway contracts now for, right. for them. You know, you have to go into you have to go into those contracts. I think if you're if I was the owner of the Padres, thinking, you know, if it hits, great. If it misses, I I guess I live with that. So maybe there's there's mega markets, big markets, kind of small markets, and really small markets rather than just big and little. And I San Diego is a perfect example. John Sherman paid a billion dollars for the Kansas City Royals, a billion. Yeah. We're a small market in Kansas City. 
we can't compete with those guys. We have been, we're in the, and then you got the central division blahs. Hey, you know what? We don't have to spend a lot of money because all we have to do is beat Cleveland and Minnesota or Cincinnati and Pittsburgh. I don't know. Um, but the small- well, there, there is a, there is a philosophy to that. I mean, let's face it. I mean, you know, the, the Brewers have figured out and, and has, you know, their greatest asset of what they have figured out over the last 10 years is if baseball always starts and ends with pitching, it's about time we, we develop that system and put all of our resources and, and I'm not even sure it's cash. It's just resources into making sure that whoever we draft and or acquire um, and put a system of development together, that's how we're going to compete in this division. That's how we're going to compete hopefully in the month of September and be the hot team because let's face it, the hot team goes, man. So if you're going to rank the three phases of baseball between offense, defense, and, and uh, pitching, clearly the Brewers have come up with the format of good pitching, good defense, try to throw in a little offense, right? Oh, yeah. I mean, if you, it's, it, and to me, it's not 33, 33, 33. It's like, it's like 75, you know, 17, 8, <laughs> you know. Good on the math. Not bad, huh? Right on the fly. Got that out of our production meeting. That is brilliant. I was going like 75, 20, 15. You yeah. know? Can't do that. Can't do that. Well, it's kind of the raise deal. Let's say that you snap your fingers. Mighty man for the Wonder Dog snaps his fingers, and Milwaukee's in the now in the East uh, Division, Eastern Division of the American League. And you go, holy Maloney, I've got to face Blue Jays, Boston, New York, Baltimore, and whoever, Tampa Bay. You know, yeah. that's like that's like the difference between, you know, lemons and lemonade. I mean, it's like in the central division malaise in both leagues is kind of funny. And then you get out on the West Coast, and I don't know what I'd call that other than the Padres decided to compete with the Dodgers and the uh, Rangers decided to compete with who? Um, Houston, I guess. Houston, yep. Yep. Just think if Milwaukee was back in the American League and Houston was still in the National League. Well, you know what? Those are my growing pains uh, days of loving the game of baseball and growing up in it, though, uh, in the late 70s and 80s and 90s when the Brewers had really high quality 90 win teams and barely made a playoff because they were in the American League East and couldn't get past the Yankees, couldn't get past Boston and couldn't get past Toronto when they were, you know, really good in the early 90s and stuff and let Paul Molitor go and go to the Blue Jays and win a World Series over there. Those types of things, I mean, you know, it's an interesting point you bring up because it's good that they're not in quite such a, a hefty, you know, loaded division like that. But um, we've seen our days of that for sure. And back then, who do you got? Molly? Paul Molitor. He, nice. was, he was in my failed experiment and it was bombing so badly that I had to ignore Molly. And here's a Hall of Fame guy. Wow. Yeah. I mean, so I remember those days, boy. I'm glad we don't have those anymore. 
This guy's in 1988. Um, his career batting average was 297. That yeah. was in 1988. So, I mean, he did nothing but get up and and uh, get an Hall of Fame. I mean, I, I thought the feature on the lighter side of baseball would go better than it did with these trading cards, you know? You go through this. Have you ever heard of, well, Mickey Brantley? You've heard of him. Oh, yeah. Jose Nunez, I don't guess I, yeah. I maybe have heard of him. Um, John Candelaria, we've heard of. Mike Brumley. I mean, I've heard of him, but I couldn't tell you anything about him. No, couldn't tell you, but I've heard of him. Terry Leach, I think he played football for some college team and then came into the pros. Didn't Terry Leach play for the Phillies? Yeah, right. There you go, man. Yeah. Nobody has history of him over you. Here's a guy that, here's Tom Newell. With a K? Never heard of him. No. Uh, Randall Byers? No. San Diego? Never heard of him. Small market team then. Jim Gott, didn't he play for the Brewers for a cup of coffee? I don't know. He I might know. have, but I've, I have I know I've heard his name for Here, sure. Here's the famous guy with the Jazz. Terry Spillman. Never. No. No. So his car is worth negative 25 cents. Uh, I don't know. Um, so what's on your plate now besides bucks? And then you got the brewers coming up next week. Yeah, no, it's pretty much, you know, it's pretty much that right now for me. And, um, you know, just looking forward to Cubs brewers at the end of the month. I'm sure you're already plotting our, our, uh, next podcast prediction date coming up. I would like to uh, visit with you in advance of the brewers taking on the Cubs at Wrigley field. At 105 on March 30th, unless there's a blizzard, which is not totally unexpected. Tell you right now, the uh the weather in uh in Wisconsin and Illinois is is not great. I mean, even I, I was looking at this forecast, it's gonna be back in the 30s for highs, like for a pretty good stretch later this week and into next week. And I'm like, okay, we've turned calendar. We got daylight savings uh, rushing in on Saturday for us, Saturday, Sunday. I'm ready to start throwing that, you know, that baseball around like I usually do from corner to corner. Yeah. Get the arm down gear. My arm, I'm loosening it up. I I don't like to throw in that 30 degree weather. You're right. It's been a pretty, comparatively speaking, uh, slow year for weather in, in Chicago. We've had like a couple four inch snowstorms, and that's it. Um, I think we just got back from my youngest son got married in Dallas. We went Dallas, San Diego, Scottsdale, um, and then that little town in Arizona, Wickenburg, where all my buddies moved to outside of Scottsdale. And the weather there wasn't any better than Chicago. You know, we went to the Cubs game. It was 55, and I thought it was, like, great because it was sunny. I told you we had... Went and got two beers, 30 bucks, and they were left over from the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful. I looked at now they were big cans that you couldn't drink in an hour. I mean, the beer was Kay's pouring our beer over ice after a while, but um you look at these big bottles of Budweiser had you know Super Bowl L I V one one and no way. obviously didn't sell out at the uh, Super Bowl site in Phoenix and they 
the same concessionaire just probably got he probably got all that beer for a buck a can and sold it for 15 or 30 or whatever that is stunning man that is stunning live golf i thought it was an ad for live golf till i you know looked down and saw it was a super bowl lib one one how about i thought the funniest quote speaking of money John Rahm, who won like two tournaments in a row, 3.6 million each tournament, do the math, around $7 million, said Pat Perez, one of his buddies, ranked 50th in the world as opposed to one in the world, is making more money with Live Golf than John Rahm is at uh, the PGA. So, um, you know, that says it all, although I can't believe anybody that's married and has any any faith in 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 their wife would join live golf given how women are valued in saudi arabia but i don't want to get into the politics right now of live golf let alone mlb or brewer baseball you want to talk politics of brewers no no not really i i just want to i just before before we conclude our show today i think it's only appropriate for me to ask you what you think of the cubs so far through spring training and and having been there yourself and they made they made some significant additions i don't know if they were maybe what you expected or cubs fans expected but they're seem like they're solidifying some spots right now so you remember a few minutes ago i picked the cubs to win the division and i'll do that in our in our official picks which i record and then we talk about them at the end of the year but from uh from my perspective, they needed to sign uh, some power pitching and power hitting, and they did neither. Um, so their starting rotation compared to, say, the Brewers, it's comparing a D-plus to an A-plus team, okay, with the Brewers. Oh, boy. Yeah. The, the Cubs have traded away more talent in their bullpen than the Brewers have had, which is saying a lot. They just give these guys away, figuring, well, we'll just find a few more relievers. In terms of power hitting, I don't see Eric Hosmer or Cody Bellinger as being a guy that's going to come in and knock 40 home runs out. They um, gave up all that with Scherz, with um, with Bryant, who I think will have a great year, with Rizzo, who will have a great year, and with... Um, Oh, the guy that led the National League in home runs last year for Philadelphia, the little left fielder that the Cubs couldn't find any room for. So I still have the same animosity. I think Jed Hoyer is just horrible. I didn't think Theo was that great. But, yeah, he's won two World Series, and he's going to be in the Hall of Fame right next to Dave Dombrowski, who deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, And Hoyer just does enough to make everybody think, though, this will be great, and Ricketts is okay with what the budget is. So... Yeah, there you have it. I don't think the Cubs have done much. Now, again, they're in the Central Division. We got the new rules. I don't know which team is going to take advantage of the new rules more than another. I don't know. You know, I don't think anybody does. Will it be the Cubs, the Brewers, Pirates, Cardinals? I don't know. They could have signed. I think think the $64,000 question is what is the advantage for for certain teams, you know, with the new rules? I, to me, I think across the board, and I and I haven't looked into this real closely, but I, I would almost say there's there might be more disadvantages for certain teams that used to play, you know, like the shift. But you know what, Jamie, right up through last year, everyone was playing the shift. 
The increase like over the last five years was like, if I just made the numbers simple, 10 teams did it five years ago and, and it, you know, went up three more and then five more and then eight more. And then everyone's doing this shift. Like, you know, the graph is, it hits its peak and that's why they took it away. Yeah. The, um, I've said this to you before on earlier podcasts going back five years because we've been doing this our fifth year. Um, Craig was 30 when we started and I was 35. So we've been doing this a while. (laughs) I thought the Brewers came up with a tactic of slow ball against the Cubs and maybe against everybody. Um, I thought they really effectively dragged out the at-bat to the disadvantage of the hitter. Now, that was just me. I'm not objective. As a Cub fan, I thought the Brewers dominated that battle. So now that battle's gone. Now, you know, whether that helps the Cub hitters or the Brewer hitters or the Brewers, I don't know. That's what I mean. Who's this going to help? But the teams that are in better shape, the teams that have a good catcher, and the teams that have speed up the middle, I think, like the old days, build your team up the middle. I think that's back to where we are. And as a fan, I love it. I just love it. And for me to be enthused is something. Well, you're right about that. The fact that you're actually happy and ready to go. Because we through through this uh, through this five year process, I do remember a year or two where you were kind of grumpy. Uh, you're you're borderline very grumpy, but thankfully you had you know good people on your podcast. It kind of broke you out of that mold, but. Uh, I agree with you up the middle, and this is this is where I know the Brewers have excelled. Not only you know with the the emphasis on on developing the pitching, the good pitching that they have, but you have to have you have to have good defense, you know, behind you. And they you know they're going to have you know a little bit of a question mark at second base is who's all going to fill that role. But the players that they have will be good at it. They have one of the best shortstops in the game in Adamas. They've oh. added William Contreras behind the plate, who's going to be just fine. And then they have um, uh, Garrett Mitchell, who'll start in center field, but they also have their top prospects uh, outside of pitching. Their position player top prospects are basically four center fielders. And and they drafted and developed these guys. Uh, I only, I think only one, maybe not even that one, came from uh, high school. The rest came from college, so they're ready to go. And so this is this is now the next wave for for them, which I'm I'm excited to see how this works because not only defensively have they been good in the minors, offensively they've been really good too. So we'll see. Well, the problem for the Brewers is they don't play the Cubs, Pirates, and Cincinnati 18 games anymore, which we've talked about, and I think that's great. The 12 or 13, depending on where the where the deal falls. I think the Cubs play the Brewers 12 times, maybe 13 this year. And you know, that's that's 18 games that you got to play other teams rather than the Cubs, Cincinnati, or Pittsburgh. Same with Cubs. I think that's going to be an interesting battle. And um uh, I, I just I don't know why I'm, I'm I think baseball is going to be more exciting maybe uh, you know Pollyanna maybe maybe I'm a little Pollyanna should that but I think it'll be good and uh, like I said man you can't go if if you want to see nine innings you can't go to the bathroom you just can't no no and and the um, um, 
extra innings is uh, officially set with with uh, the Manfred runner at second base, and and I'm I've never been opposed to that, so I'm digging it. You know, I was a I think I flipped on everything, but that's not unusual for me. But I I think originally I didn't love the second base rule, but I do anything to speed the game, get the result. Like I said, you could play seven innings and I'd be happy, or have a home run derby if it's tied after nine, see who hits the first home run. They talked about that in the All-Star game. If it was tied, they'd they'd have three guys and they'd each have a home run derby. I think um, um, the anything to speed up the game, man, it just got so – I mean, I, on TV too. I was bored. Now you can, you can watch it. I, I would hope that MLB Network would bring back Heidi Watney, but I don't think she's coming back. That's, that's kind of sad. I, I don't know about we'll have to contact the agent. I, I want to say this before we go on on the extra inning thing. Have you uh, attended an NHL game in the last several years? I haven't even watched an NHL game, man. I haven't either, but I did go to one uh, a few weeks ago in Minnesota. I saw the Minnesota Wild play the Dallas Stars, not to be confused with the Minnesota North Stars who used to be there and moved to Dallas. Or the Minnesota Moose. The Minnesota Moose and the Minnesota Wild. And Minnesota well, they, anyway, it was uh, – both both teams are, are good. They're in the same division. Dallas is uh, one of the best teams in the league. Minnesota is one of the better teams in the league. So it was very, very – it was a good game. Uh, it was sold out. Um, it was raucous. It was full of energy. Um it ended up being a one-one game. Uh, went to overtime, and if I if I remember this right, after my fifty-dollar two beers that I had, um, they play five on five for five minutes. It was still tied, and then they played three on three for five minutes. Wow, I didn't and know. It was that. Still tied, but it's five minutes. You know, it's five minutes. It you know, the clock never stops. And then they did the shootout. And Minnesota end up winning. I think they they each scored a goal in the shootout, and then it got to the fourth person, and the uh, stars guy missed, and the wild guy made it or something. But I mean, it was like it was in perfect increments, and right. you know, like if Major League Baseball ever got down to the need to do a a home run derby thing. I think it would be incredibly exciting to see. Uh, I don't think they need to do that though, because I really think with the, the ghost runner at second, you know, these extra innings go pretty rapidly quick. So, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with that. How about a ghost runner at third? If you don't score on the 10th inning. I see. I'm not, I'm not opposed to that. Yeah. What, what do you think? I, I, since I've brought up the idea, I think it's great. We've talked about it before. <laughs> Uh, you know, I also think Pete Rose ought to get in the Hall of Fame, which I never thought. And I, you know, we can go back through the steroid guys. Um, I'm I'm either way on that. So I flipped. So I probably flipped on the second base. I mean, I used to be a traditionalist, but I the the no, you were very grumpy about the ghost runner. People thought the show should be the grumpy on the grumpier side of baseball. I think that anything to make it more exciting is in this day and age. Like hockey, I can remember going to a kid and two to two, each team got a point and you went home. You know, that was the deal. Right. When I go to the Blackhawk games back when they had a team that was competitive in the NHL, which was a, a number of years ago. 
I didn't know. I knew they did the five on five. And then last year, I think they did the shootout after that. Now they've apparently implemented a mid range three on three. Yeah. Yeah. Is it two guys in a goalie or is it three guys out in the goalie? Three guys in the goalie. Okay. So I guess, I don't know if that's still three. I think they call it three on three. I don't know. Do you count the goalie? I don't know. But anyway, five it was. Five, you count the goalie with five on five. You got four guys out there in the goalie. Because otherwise, during the regular game, it's five on five plus the two goalies. So I'm learning. <laughs> you know what? I'm so annoying. It's hard to not get. You could say you could come up with anything and it'd be a good conversation. Um I don't think I'm a contrarian, but I probably am. But I think that um, whatever it takes, what was the other rule that that baseball had during the pandemic that maybe they went away from besides the um, the guy on second base rule? That was good. I, I can't remember what it was, but that's so well, they had the I think they had the DH. They kept that. They had the guy at second. Well, oh, they had the um, seven inning double headers. Yeah. See, I, I think they should still do that. A, you haven't lost a bit in your brain, unlike me. I think seven inning doubleheaders would be great. Yeah. Because yeah. to me, then then you could uh you could have more of them potentially and not waste time on a night where you know it's it is raining. And why are we waiting around for two and a half hours to start a game? The problem is who gets to go to the doubleheader, the season ticket holder for the rainy game or the season ticket. Yeah, but you can fix those. Yeah. Not every team sells out like the Cubs. True. They're not selling out anymore. Ricketts has destroyed the team. I'm a little worried now. I felt pretty good that they were going to be great, but now I I look over and uh, I do like Tucker Barnhart. I, I wish he was five years younger than he is, but I liked him when he was with Cincinnati. I think he'll be good. I guess he's the Cubs left-handed catcher, and then you got Jan Gomes, who hadn't gotten a hit in the last three years, but he's apparently good at calling pitches. So, hey, it sounds to me like, like a little bit of a, a <laughs> teaser that you might be changing your pick for the NL Central champion Could by be. the time we have our Selection Sunday show. Could be. Could be. You never know. All right, man. I'll talk to your booking agent and see when we can get you back in the next couple of weeks. In the meantime, uh, go Bucks. Uh, we'll be opening up the Wisconsin uh, digs in a uh, little over two months, man. Looking forward to that. Be great. Looking forward to that. Appreciate it, pal. All right, buddy. Be good and don't go anywhere. I will just try to. All right. We think Craig is gone. Yes, I'm looking at my computer screen. He's gone. Great talk. And as you heard, we're going to get ready to do a uh, preseason selection uh, before opening day on. March 30th when the Cubs take on the uh, Brewers at Wrigley Field. So for the lighter side of baseball, Craig Kishan, Jamie Retzke, yeah, I've had a good time this morning and uh, much more upbeat than what I did yesterday. So it's good to put a little positive spin on life and the world and baseball in particular. So until our next podcast on Spotify, SoundCloud, and Apple iTunes, it's Jamie Retzke saying, I hope you enjoy the show. I hope you felt like we we're having a beer down in uh, in Dallas to my good buddy. And uh, we will go from there. That's it. Be good. Hit them straight. And uh, we will talk to you later. <laughs>